welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, sir, my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to Gatecast episode 148, I think. Fairly certain it's 148. Covering Heroes Part 1, but not Heroes Part 2, which we'll, we'll release as a separate episode, because let's face it, who, who wants to hear us go on for two hours? Me, probably. But not including you, you said you can't listen to or watch people you know. Little Miss Interrupty there is <laughs> our guest. Would you care to introduce yourself? Um, depends what people want to know me as. Most people call me Faith. I'm a new Stargatey person, mostly because my boyfriend threatened to set me off while I was sleeping if I didn't start watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favourite character? O'Neill. I watched it when I was 10. I'm now 21. I really enjoyed it, and I've always been a fan of O'Neill. Even fat, unable to fix his audio, Neil? <laughs> that made me laugh. Yes, I pull out on the Gatecast page. Are you a member of the Gatecast Facebook group yet? I don't believe I am. I meant to do it earlier and I completely forgot. Tut, tut, tut. Not my fault. I'm sorry. Please don't hurt me. I can't. You're too far away. My influence doesn't extend much beyond loathe. <laughs> Might be psychic, I don't know. Might get somebody else to do it while they sleep. What is it with you and sleep? Come hither, lion. Yeah, lion, lion, lion. <laughs> Shouldn't that be here, kitty, kitty, kitty? My name is Karen Lindsay. I got sucked into Farscape. Lou bugged me till I watched. Now I'm obsessed. We podcast together. To guide new viewers. So they also get hooked. Maybe as much as me. One episode per podcast. I would love the company. Both good and bad. Jeremiah Creighton. Lou thinks this will stop me. I can't stop rewatching them. But he's mistaken. He should know me by now. This will be awesome. Talking about characters and stories. These recordings are made for you. To enjoy the wondrous things we've heard. Escape Cast, your guide to the wonders of Farscape. Listen to the Scaper Chronicles at scapecast.org. We have a small review now of the first Big Finish Stargate audio drama, Gift of the Gods. I picked up the first six productions on CD under a recent £25 offer, more as a big sampler to the work Big Finish do on the franchise and many others. One thing I have heard from others who know the company is that the production improves throughout the range, which is something to look forward to as I thoroughly enjoyed this first adventure. I don't want to give anything away, so a brief overview and general comments is the best I can do. Gift of the Gods begins with Lieutenant Hunter waking Daniel Jackson from a bout of unconsciousness in his lab. They remember being on the ramp prior to a mission, and that was it. There is, however, a beautiful piece of gold art in the shape of a ornate box in his lab, and on further investigation they find the SGC personnel scattered in the immediate vicinity, as if they fell where they had been standing. The story continues as, this, as the SGC, cut off from outside help, tries to unravel the events during the missing time, figure out what the box is for, and the revelations shock them to the core as the consequences are dire if the wrong decisions are made. Uh, Sam? What's that? Warily, I drew a little closer. 
The air crackled, but Sam's eyes were wide with delight. There is some excellent character writing for Daniel specifically. Only so much you can do without the full original cast. The sound effects are top-notch, and you can picture every scene, including the gripping firefight and its consequences. Gift of the Gods was written by Sally Malcolm, who also has a couple of Stargate novels to her name, A Matter of Honour and The Cost of Honour. Her latest novel, Beyond the Far Horizon, A Romantic Adventure, was released earlier this year. Michael Shanks narrates most of the story with the character of Lieutenant Hunter performed by John Schwab, who also appeared in the Doctor Who episode Dalek. I cannot recommend this audio drama enough for a fan of the franchise, and I am looking forward to the other five stories I have on CD, and then adding to my collection. They are not cheap, but margins are tight, and they are really entertaining pieces of Stargate. Gift of the Gods and other Stargate audio productions can be found at bigfinish.com. Pause. Good, okay. As I'm inclined to say in most episodes, line is duly cocked. Okay. I thought that might amuse you. Oh, everything amuses me. Yes, Helen is rather young, as she said. Okay. Ivra Tree, Ivra Doe, Ivra Hain, Clicky. Wow. Fade out to black, fade in on somebody fiddling with a chevron. Bouncy chevron. Oh, why don't you pull back a little? Get in okay. context, right? Okay. Yeah, just keep going back. Yeah, that's good. It's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. And who we have? Mr. Bregman? Yeah. Colonel Tom Rondell, Shine Mountain Complex Public Affairs Liaison. <laughs> that's quite a mouthful. Call me Emmett. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, this is my uh, posse here. Tech Sergeant uh, Dale James. Sir. Camera and Airman First Class Chef Wickenhouse, sir. Doing Sam. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you. See, Mike, at this point, we'll be able to tell you who was playing whom. Uh, Useful research, Bunny, because the guy on the right, I do recognize. Let me pull up my research, Bunny, material. Yeah, he, he looked really familiar. I've actually called the, the email research, Bunny Notes. <laughs> um, we have Saul Rubinek as Emmett Bergman, who I'm assuming is our... Chief Directory person, mm-hmm. and it doesn't actually specify in here who plays the uh, various other ones, but it, there's some interesting back and forth between him and the mustachioed. Mustachio? Uh, yes. Should we call him the mustachioed pistachio now? <laughs> Sorry? What's the mustachioed pistachio? Right. That might go down. Yeah. Giddy? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, well, I'm personally and professionally uh, excited, I think I said excited Ah, Don, God rest him Since, uh, well, you don't want to know about that No, no Uh I just want to be as clear as I can up front Sure Your presence is highly unorthodox and I will not let it threaten the security of any ongoing missions or the safety of my people Mike would also have loads of interesting information about what else he was in how he's related to the DeLuise brothers and so on and so forth I just don't do research bunny very well Mm Mm-hmm Certainly not an hour beforehand. <laughs> I feel it's appropriate to warn you that no one around here wants to be part of your little reality show. Oh, I see. You know, General, I think you're probably well aware that there were film cameras on the beaches of Normandy decades before Survivor debuted on CBS. And we have a quiet co-host. Oh dear. Huh? You should be vamping. Should be what? If I don't say something, you should be vamping madly. Oh dear. If I'm not saying anything, fill in. Fill it, okay. Okay, don't hurt me. Please don't set me on fire while I sleep. <laughs> I'm just, it'd be so funny, I think, if somebody went in on the set when nobody was there and just painted that phone purple. Or pink. Pink would be quite good. Look, I have a red phone to fill. Oh, hang on, it's pink. Never mind. There it is. <laughs> you know what, General? 
I respect what you're doing here. I can even respect that you want me out of here. But the president of the United States invited me to do this. You see that, Red Bull? You wouldn't be here if he hadn't. Oh, dear. Yeah, I, I like doing weird things. No, it was commenting on Survivor on CBS. I was saying it. To the letter of these orders. To the letter, I see. Yes. I see. Thank you. You have high expectations to meet. So far, is one letter different from Soka? <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'll stop being silly now. Why break the habit of a lifetime? <laughs> Even if it's a short lifetime. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I wouldn't have the patience to deal with that guy and be throwing things at him by now. Stop filming, get out. Right. So, this is when Mike normally fills in with info, and I have some of it, but not all of it. Stargate episode, season 7, episode 17. Directed by Andy Makita. Script written by Robert C. Cooper. First aired in the States on 14th February 2004. Mike would also have the air dates for the UK, Canada and Australia, but I don't have them to hand. (laughs) Additionally, Mike would be telling you at this point about other shows which had episodes entitled Heroes, but uh, all I could come up with in the short time I'd bothered my arse researching was uh, the actual genre TV show Heroes and the uh, classic 60s show Hogan's Heroes. But this episode has some fairly well-known co-stars, which Mike would know and may discuss in part two, which is why I was hoping you'd be a chatterbox. I'm not a little chatterbox. I'm focusing on what's happening. You're supposed to discuss what's happening. That's why it's just me. Does that look a bit like the probe thing that appears later? Can't quite remember. I see. Yeah, I'm really good like that. Other people watch the episode beforehand. I have watched it beforehand. About a week ago. Okay, I watched it about an hour ago. <laughs> Try and fill in with research and stuff. Um, you know what? We would be here a year. These soldiers uh, conceal things for a living. Airmen, sir. We're the United These States Air airmen Force. conceal things for a living. Oh, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie Cox's name popped up. Ronnie Cox, yep. a man who, after you see on screen, you really want to have a shower afterwards. Yeah. And Tara Rothery. I like her. Well, you're not going to have much more time to like her. Shh. Stop telling well, that's by within episode. <laughs> Someone would offer something up in an interview. Is that who I think it is? It's Colonel Jack O'Neill. Colonel O'Neill. Hi. I like vanilla over chocolate. My favorite color is peridot. I think Tibet should be free. And if I could have dinner with anyone in the world, it'd be Mary Steenburgen. No, no, I'm just trying... Mary Steenburgen? She's nice. No, no, look, look, look. <laughs> I haven't even asked you the question, but I'm telling you all the answers anyway. <laughs> No, look, I'm not going to be able to get a perspective on this whole Stargate program uh, without you, Colonel. So when is a good time for you? Oh, he's really eating this up, isn't he? <laughs> As they said in the comment, the commentary was done by Andy Makita and the DP. Andy Makita, director, director of photography. Mm-hmm. You can understand sort of character's reluctance to deal with the TV crew after what happened last time. You know, stealing Prometheus, trying to kill her through uh, bringing in on the... Uh, pressurized deck up above atmosphere and so on mm-hmm. but Andy Makita said at this point Amanda Tapping did an excellent job of looking very uncomfortable on camera Yes. which is 180 degrees around from what she's normally like yeah so, what is the quote thing about a good actor can play a bad actor mm. I mean we are just doing our jobs is the job? well I consider it my job to put you up on a pedestal because this job looks to me to be nothing short of extraordinary and from what I read in your file same can be said about you personally. 
See, now I'm blushing. So you are. Then we should start with a look good on camera. Oh, we like Sam. Yes, yeah, Sam does. <laughs> She'd grow better if she had more cleavage showing, but I... Hey, Lord. What are you doing? You don't need a light meter. The woman is glowing. <laughs> Let's get rolling. Rolling. Sound? Rolling. <clears throat> okay. Major Samantha Carter, U.S. Air Force. Astrophysicist, considered the foremost expert. This really actually isn't helping. What isn't helping? His sort of intro of Sam. Yeah, yeah, we, we know all this. You know, he's really talking her up, and she's kind of, it's, it's the sort of awkward, the lovely, the, the awkward little smile. Mm-hmm. And this particular line. Meet the six and a half billion people of the planet Earth. Six and a half billion people, and he's like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> that was beautifully acted panic, because that was mm-hmm. pure rabbit in headlights expression. There was also a lot of comments on a technical perspective, because this is clearly video. Mm-hmm rather than the high-definition 35mm that that's film. Yeah. And you can see a much, it's lit differently, and it's a much greater depth and yeah. richness of colour. Dear Lord, is this the first episode of this season where Michael Shanks hasn't got his top off? Are you complaining about the fact that he hasn't got his top off? Yes. Or are you complaining about the fact that he has? I'm complaining, wait, hang on, what? Prefer it when he has got one on, put it that way. You don't think he's sufficiently buff? I think he's too buff. I want to stand behind him with a pin, I keep telling you. And deflate him when he's not looking. Yeah, that's what we only use the pen for. I really don't remember you know, much after that. <laughs> I love this. Will you excuse me? Yeah, it's just not there. Oh. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. So confusing. Mm. Dr. Jackson? Laboratory <laughs> results. What is it? What is it? It's uh, the um, mass fragment that I was collecting. Sorry, could you slow down? Uh, the the mass fragment I collected from B3X298, it was carbonated to match the pre-dynastic period of, of Egypt here on Earth. And, could, and what is it? Could you get a close shot of this? What is, what is the, uh, what is the uh, significance of that? It's fascinating. <laughs> it's fa- okay. I'm wondering, is this a deliberate Spock reference? Uh, that's it? It's fascinating? Why, why were we running? Oh, uh... I just wanted to see if you'd chase me. <laughs> That's just nasty. Yeah. Turn it off. Sounds like Jack thing more so than anything. Ah, yes, Dr. Lee. One of my favourite oh. guests there. You know, I, th- I think it's a terrible shame we couldn't get the guy that played Dr. Flox in Enterprise to do a recurring role. Yeah, he was only in the one, wasn't he? Was it the one or was it a double? The wearer is essentially trapped in what becomes their own personal microwave oven and... No, not a good idea. Their own personal microwave oven. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember this bit. It's a wobble board. You're not old enough to remember Rolf Harrison wobble boards, are you? I was just about to say a Rolf Harris joke. I kid you not. <laughs> I'm just old enough, I think. Which uh, Sergeant Seiler will now demonstrate for us. Poor Dan Shea, who's actually, uh, if you listen to any of our episodes, Dan Shea is already a stunt double. Right. The commentaries uh, said that they had someone uh, experienced with an extinguisher standing by in case that happened. But Dan <laughs> Shea actually caught on fire because Dan Shea is a stuntman, so... <laughs> He's Siler. Yeah, that's Siler. I thought that was. All right, I'm a bit slow sometimes. Accept it, move on. I'm fine. You see, um, yeah. See, he, he does that all the time. The control room is sort of like the air traffic control tower of the base. We monitor all gate activity from... Blinking lights. Lights are blinking. Out of sequence. Technical door. I'm sorry, is that helicopter outside? They're after you. Hide. 
Now this is something she's interested in talking about. We're required to generate outgoing wormholes. The question is, is anybody else interested in it? In our study of off-world DHDs, we found that our gate actually draws 10% more wattage than off-world gates. Now that far exceeds any potential loss due to our man-made interface. We think it has to do with the way that the superconductive crystals inside the gate absorb electrical energy. But we're also trying to demonstrate that the DHDs are somehow producing a, a purer, more efficient form of power. Yeah, he's kind of, could we get a shot of the gates? <laughs> of course. Could we get a shot of the gate spinning? Sure. It's really cool. Steam comes out of it and everything. Oh, she's not <laughs> impressed, is she? Nope. Yay, Walter! I always say that. Sorry, guys, there's an SG team due to embark on a mission. Well, that's great. We'll get a shot of them leaving. Actually... No, no, you cannot. Leave. Shut up and leave. Go on. Can I ask you something? Oh, you've been... Sorry, you can stop shooting. Cut. Oh, yes, and here we have uh, your favourite actor, but unfortunately a bit of a wingnut in real life. He's not my favourite actor. He is a wingnut, though. <laughs> and yeah, he representatives of the Ginger Nation on other planets. <laughs> that way. I'll take point. Wells, Bosworth, your rear guard, five meter spread. Keep your eyes open. Well, Melp showed no indication of any recent Gould activity on this planet. Uh, I don't see any indication of anything here. Take the usual bet on that, sir? Sure. Wells? Abandoned Naquita mine. Boring. Good odds. Bosworth? I'm gonna put my money on trees, sir. Bosworth's disqualified for being a smartass. I'll go with two-headed aliens. Hostile or friendly, sir? One head good, one head bad. Polinsky? Oh, ruins of an ancient city. I've seen some of his tweets and he is a serious wing hook. Adam Baldwin, best known for, I suppose, two shows which could be considered. One which is definitely genre, if not cult, and in fact... I have a t-shirt from QWERTY of Beside Me, which arrived this morning, emblazoned with the phrase, you can't take the sky from me, and the silhouette of the ship on the blue background. That would be Firefly. Mm -hmm. But has come to a more growling and recent life in the five-season show Chuck, in a genre which might be considered spy-fi. This is relaxing. And why'd you have four? One's pretty bad. But you figure, you gotta have two, so the little guy can have a brother or sister, right? Then you have two boys. The wife says she wants a girl, so... And you figure, hell, three can't be much worse than two, right? What you don't realize is your brain is fried because you haven't slept. Andy McKeesha was saying, as a father, he could resonate a lot with the uh, dialogue that Adam Baldwin is spouting there. A lot of the work on this show was actually done entirely by the second unit, and it was shot while they were shooting other shows. In fact, the set that they just came out from the Stargate from was used on the show Birthright. Don't need to do research money for that. I listen to the audio commentary. <laughs> this is where Mike gets a lot of these interesting factoids. If you actually listen to the audio commentary, they do tell you these things. So it's not like he's madly Googling about some stuff. They said when they shot it, and they wrote it and they scripted it, it ran to at 64 minutes, mm -hmm. including commercials. And they thought that's a bit long. So they thought, because they normally run to 42 minutes. Mm -hmm. So they debated whether to cut it, but they discovered they had budget and time to do some additional shooting and turn it into a two-parter. Uh -huh. Now, again, Mike would have info on the other actors here and mm -hmm. what they were in and any other genre work they'd done or any other star I'm sure that red-haired guy's been in before. I'll say he looks familiar, but I'm useless, so. <laughs> Sir, did you do your interview yet? Yeah. 
Mary Steenburgen? She's so hot. <laughs> Carter, can you tell me the reason for this documentary again? Can you read the memo? RDA, not too happy. Didn't you read the memo? I mean, come on. Can we seriously picture Colonel on the reading memos? <laughs> Probably using them as coasters. There should be a cake. I'm convinced RDA has it written into his contract. He gets to mention cake in every episode. Now you said it, I'm going to be on the lookout for it. Well, we used to have an Indeed count, but we kind of got bored with it after season five. Mm-hmm. How has he not updated his glasses? So we should just cap that and then put a huge thing over saying should have gone back to I had the same pair of glasses for 12 years, 13 years. I change my glasses every two to four years. Which means you've changed them twice. What? That'd be silly. Silly man. Um, well, can you tell us a little bit about what things were like before that? Oh, well, thankfully I have most of those memories back. There are still a few holes. Okay. <clears throat> the uh, pharaohs of the fourth dynasty did not build the pyramids. No, no, they didn't. They're actually landing pads for global motherships. Ridicule, Daniel. That's really not a good idea. I was like the uh, the alternate universe one where he um, he turned down the offer. I was like, yes, that Daniel was a dick. Oh, you're talking late season eight threads. No, I'm not. The one back for end of first or second series where he went through the mirror. Oh, that one. Yeah. Hey, hey. Terrible behaviour. So. Why? Why what? Um. Why did she do that? I don't know. You'd have to ask her. Actually, you can't ask her because the actress who played Catherine Langford is dead. Okay, fine. Oh, yeah. I'll ask her. Where is she? Is she transcended or ascended or something like that? Um, no. Uh, retired, actually. But um, you never know. Generally, Mike drops dialogue in if there's dead air. Uh, I <sighs> Sorry, I'm just reading your um, file here. Uh, it's fascinating. I suppose I should ask you immediately here. You're You're an alien. Ah, the Teok interview. <laughs> <laughs> to us, you would be... Anyway, uh, you were the highest-ranking officer uh, in the service of one of our alien enemies, and you turned against them. Why did you turn against them what, when you did? He's just digging himself a hole. Yep. We're going to need a ladder shortly. <laughs> I'll tell why we're giving him a ladder. <laughs> I mean, could you... Sorry, why are you sitting there if you don't intend to answer any of my questions? Because I was requested to by General Hammond. I see. And he didn't happen to mention to you that part of the interview process involved actually saying something. No. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> okay. Um, all right, let's try this. Colonel Jack O'Neill. You must have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Maybe you don't. Let me rephrase. Uh, Colonel Jack O'Neill is uh, your immediate superior. Okay, maybe not in terms of species, but right, he's your commanding officer. Indeed. Good. Okay, good, good. Uh, terrific. Let's move forward. And um, is there anything that you can tell us about him? If you wish to learn of Colonel O'Neill, perhaps you should interview Colonel O'Neill. Okay, thanks. That's a good idea. Thank you very much. Look, I want to ask you, just let me ask you this. Where are you going? You know, take the hint, Sal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You see, they do throw a lot of humour in the show. That's why SGU didn't fly with a lot of Stargate fans, because it was quite serious. Um, it was in the outtake with Christopher judging them. 
do a little bit of fun, eh? We're going to record a sort of gag episode before I go away. Something you may not know is Chris George actually appeared in MacGyver. <laughs> really? Really. Season 5, episode 13. I think he played a character called Punk. <laughs> oh, Dr. Jackson is going to die when he sees this. What again? Funny. This is a sort of Ginger Daniel. I would never have guessed. He's a sort of teen geek. Bad luck, Brian, from the Stargate team. If you've never seen that, you really need to look it up. The Stargate wiki uh, extracted this piece of dialogue as a good example of the episode. Ah. You missed that, didn't you? I missed what? The redhead guy said, Dr. Jackson's going to die when he sees this. Adam Baldwin went what again? Um, yes, I know. That's the same for pretty much everyone in SG1. How many times have they all died? Oh, that's a question for our uh, loyal listeners, all 15 of them. Yeah. Total death and individual death. Per character. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I don't think Jack could count because of, mm. what's his name? Non bread or whatever he's called. Oh, Ball, that was it. And it got two A's in it. Ah. <laughs> that's a very Daniel thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Now that looks like an Imperial probe droid. I'm sorry, but it does. They very clearly ripped off Star Wars. Looks like flying jellyfish. That's what it is. It's an Imperial probe droid. Um, they were saying the problem with all these styrofoam rocks is it's the reason the actors aren't leaning against them. Mm-hmm. That wall and all that dust are entirely uh, CG. Yeah, you can tell. But he said the problem with these... Uh, Rocks it, they're all styrofoam, and if you touch them, you can see it there. It actually moves in a very non-rock-like fashion. Yeah. Which is why the actors were leaning against them without actually leaning against them. Fake leaning. Indeed, fake leaning. It looks like a really bad beater interface that you can plug strangely shaped peripherals into. Mm-hmm. The hell is it? It's a dead thing. Like the people who are now serving here at the SGC, the youth of tomorrow will one day have to defend the free spirit of mankind, and not just on our fair planet, but out there, through the Stargate, in the vastness of the galaxy where untold evil with powers that we've never seen before are still waiting to prey upon us. Ah, Ronnie Cox. Set him on fire, set him on fire. I'm sure he's a lovely, lovely person. Even until Recall, he was still scumbag. He, he always plays, I mean, anything I've ever seen him in, he never actually plays a good guy. Imagine him with a snake in his head. I think it pops up at one point in episode 200. Ah, Ronnie Cox. I'm sure he's a lovely, lovely person. Even until Recall, he was still scumbag. He, he always plays, I mean, anything I've ever seen him in, he never actually plays a good guy. Imagine him with a snake in his head. I think it pops up at one point in episode 200. <laughs> oh, see. Oh, dear Lord. Yes. I just set him off. I'm sure he's a lovely, lovely person, but dear Lord, he's slimy. That's what Andy McKee said. He actually flew in. The reason he looks the way he does there, he flew in the previous night. Mm-hmm. This was shot late at night. He flew in after a three-week tour with his band. Mm-hmm. Airline had lost his custom guitar. Ooh. you know, about $30,000 or so, and yeah. basically he was rather out of sorts, but he came in and did the uh, shot. Oh. And then we have this nice dialogue piece with Jack. <laughs> yeah, they really get on. The woman behind that oh God, I'll just keep eating now. George, you watch what you say, Colonel. Slander is a serious offense. Yes, so I hear. <laughs> this is classic, Jack. Mm-hmm. Strong supporter of this program. 
Lying piece of crap. Strong supporter of closing the programme. Strong supporter of taking over the programme for the NID. Yes, they're like Nick, but worse to get rid of. How did your interview go, Carl? It was short, yet oh so sweet. The president wants you to play ball on this. I hope you're not intending to disappoint our commander-in-chief. I would think you would want to show your appreciation for his backing over the years. You would have thought you'd get a better tie. I mean, last time anyone checked, you were trying to discredit the guy. (laughs) His term is up. My running mate and I are merely pointing out to the American people certain areas that we think we can do a better job in. (laughs) And when that time comes, I know we can count on your vote, Colonel. Yeah. That'll happen. What are you just staring at him now? And I want you to know this. If elected, this program can count on our full support. Oh, dear. Yes, I believe you. I believe you so much. Oh, dear Lord, look that. I'm yawning. Mm. He's really vague when he wants to. <laughs> you smarmy, <laughs> self-righteous, opportunistic... Saved by the off-scheduled, off-world activation. <laughs> The reason, by the way, they went down to the floor and back up is they didn't actually have a back wall set there. Uh, so if they just panned the camera across, you would have seen straight out onto the studio. There was no wall in that bit. Uh, they had the floor, but they didn't have a wall between that door and the other corner. Unscheduled. Can't talk. Oh. This was shot on DP video. You know, the little and small portable digital video mm-hmm. cameras, which is what they always use to simulate them out. This is what happens when you need uh, to do a commentary with the director of photography. What are you talking how long? A day or two, maybe more. It'd be nice to send up a UAV, at least get an aerial overview. Permission to remain granted. I'll send SG-3 as backup. Any sign of further threat, you get out of there immediately, Colonel. Understood, sir. In the meantime, I can run some tests on what's left of the device. See what it's been doing. Send the device back and report in on the hour. Yes, sir. He's still got the Adam Baldwin grin. Sir? Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll ever go. Um, it's not that I don't appreciate all I your... I knew Kinsey and Bregman were headed your way, and I thought you might be looking for an excuse to get away, Colonel. I thought as much, sir, and I just wanted to express my deep and unyielding love for you, sir. General, if you have a moment, Mr. Bregman would like a word. Thirteen. Mm-hmm. How many teams are there by now? Oh. <laughs> in trouble. These are all current activities which have not yet been reviewed by this office, that being the Pentagon. Current activities. Uh, breathing is a current activity. <laughs> Don't be smart with the general. That just will not work. Especially one in charge of the stargates. Yes. A little leeway. I said that I was going to hold you to the letter of these orders, Mr. Bregman. Give it up. He's really not flexible, is he? Mm-hmm. You know, Colonel O'Neill is currently unavailable. General... The president, the president of the United States is giving me his full support. Why are you resisting? I'm not resisting. I'm following orders. I always wonder about those guys in the background who are everywhere. Are they like just 20-odd stock extras that they just use again and again? There's actually about five, but in a lot of cases, for example, a lot of times the director will appear briefly. Ah, yeah. It isn't Peter Delt. can't pronounce his last name. Always. Doesn't he appear in quite a few? Yes. And Mike usually pointed out. Yeah. Um, it was the voice of someone, wasn't it? Hmm? 
My other half was saying he was the voice of somebody the other week, and we were watching one. I can't remember. Always like the people who do the voice of the Asgard. You have to guess who it is. That's usually Michael. Yeah, or Errol Rothery did one, didn't she? Possibly, but it's normally Michael Shanks. Michael Shanks is Thor. Yeah. Which is why he appeared so much in season six, even though he's officially dead. I wonder if anybody's ever taught Tilk how to play poker. Because hmm. I think it would backfire quite quickly. Like poker with Tilk. Poker face would be epic. Well, it's definitely a remote probe of some kind. The storage capacity of the memory crystals is immense. But so far, all I've found are detailed images of the ruins. You know, it makes sense. We use a, a map, why wouldn't the Goa'uld? The Goa'uld are scavengers. It is quite possible they got the idea from us. So you do your interview with the documentary crew yet? Indeed. Yeah, I have to admit, I can't wait to hear what everyone else said. I did not say much. No, you didn't. <laughs> really? That is surprising. It's usually so hard to shut you up. <laughs> That's just a nasty piece of dialogue, Amanda. <laughs> they want to talk to me again. Did your interview not go well either? Well, I thought it was fine, but apparently I looked nervous. You think? It's a tab. Oh, dear. Hmm. I haven't seen Tate in years. You didn't remember Tate? Stop it, I'm not that young. Off-world activation. What is that about? I'm not privy to that information. Oh, you wouldn't tell me even if you knew, would you? We have orders. You remind me of those miners used to have in the Gulf that used to censor our reports. Look, it's not as if we're conspiring to cover up the truth. Oh, sure. And censoring reports in combat just makes sense. You cannot jeopardize the lives of troops involved in ongoing missions. It makes no sense. It's a documentary. It's not the news. What are you telling me? You're broadcasting this to the enemy on some other planet? Cover up the truth. Oh, really? They just don't tell you. ...to several prior mission files. You know why? Because no one wants me to know how close we've come to... Well, why don't you tell me, Tommy, you're not conspiring to cover up the truth, are you? Why don't you tell me? We've come close to what? Being compromised. Being compromised. There's a euphemism for you. Being compromised. Close to the brink of planetary annihilation is probably more accurate. That's why we're not allowed to film these ongoing activities. Because every time they open that gate, there's a chance that something could go cataclysmically wrong. In which case, it wouldn't really matter what we had on tape, would it? He seemed highly amused by this, the camera operator. What'd you say? Oh! <laughs> Everybody bullies the sound, man. If that's your opinion, then if you had any integrity at all, then you would resign before I had to replace you. I'd rather be replaced than court-martialed. I'm not going to do anything I'm not authorized to do. Cool sound, man. Yes. <laughs> GC is not going to any of this until it's declassified. Well, what's the difference then? Why not shoot it and decide later? Not up to me. Not up to me. Not up to me. But that's Colonel! Colonel, we're, we're all set up for you right here. We're all set up. Briefing? Yeah, no, Colonel, Colonel. Colonel! Yeah, Colonel. Whoops. You know, I'm going to get you on camera sooner or later, even if all I get is a series of shots of you avoiding being got. Fire away. I hope shots of my ass serve you well. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth are they doing filming Richard Dean Anderson's donkey? I'm sure shots of his ass would serve you well, Alan. <laughs> I'm not interested in donkeys. Lord. Do you really want me to repeat some of the dialogue we exchanged last night? <laughs> uh, after the... On record? <laughs> Specifically about things between you and Douglas? Be nice. You mentioned that. I never said a word. You agreed. No, I completely ignored you. I told you that I was going to bed after that. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> I can't win with you, can I? Oh, dear Lord. No, I'm older and craftier. See, I could be nasty now and just say yes, but you're going to die sooner. Not since I've quit drinking. You might last longer than me. All the flashy yes. light. Yes. Thank you. Light. Thank you. Thank you. Have you seen Airplane 2? Oh, I don't know. Okay. We have a very professional 
relationship. Really? Do you? Professional? And I've got the house from. <laughs> well, why did you bring it up at all? Face death together? Yeah. Not unlike countless military personnel throughout the years. Look, I, I, I won't deny that there's a bond between us. Daniel and Teal'c are also like family to me. Colonel O'Neill is first and foremost my superior officer. Even if there was potential for something more, and I, I'm not saying that there is, our, our military positions and, and the very nature of our job wouldn't allow for it. Yeah, your military positions would prevent the use of certain other positions, wouldn't it, man? <laughs> Walter! I like Walter. <laughs> Walter really loves what he does, though. I'm still laughing about the military positions. <laughs> different because that's when the wormhole connects uh, when that happens I, I like to change things up a little bit and just say Chevron 7 locked I uh, he's almost childlike locked. in his enthusiasm bless yeah that's good anything else oh yeah um, I'm responsible for this close the iris open the iris Why is it called an iris? I it should be called an eyelid. Because look at the way it dilates and contracts. The action is very similar to the iris functions. I thought the pupil dilates and contracts. Oh no, it's the iris, isn't it? Because the pupil is just the whole... Okay, ignore me. I mean, it's... It's really rewarding. It, it, it really is. Uh, and, and we have tried various automated scenarios, but um, the SG teams just agree that, that, you know, when they send their iris code through the wormhole, they like to know that there's a... Uh, there's a real person on, on the other end. Someone that they can trust to get it right. And um, that gives me and the, the other gate technicians a great sense of pride. Sure. That's good. He hadn't got a name or anything until Series 2 or something, had he? It's Walter. Yeah, well, I didn't think he like, was actually referred to as anything. He was just the gate guy. Uh, Dr. Jackson? Hi. Hey, how's it going? So you're, you're packing, you're going on a mission off... I'm sorry, I forgot the expression. Off-world? Off-world. Is that it? So you're going? Nope, nope, just, uh... Going through my pack. Ah, that's the camera you use, though, right? Yeah. I've seen hours and hours of your footage, hours of it. Daniel's lab is just Amanda's lab redressed. Ah, is it? Yep, and because this was shot over a series of months, mm -hmm. it was actually difficult for the actors to remember what was going on. Yes, definitely. Action. You know, just for a change, you think? See, that's the thing. When, the, when there is action, um, I'm, I'm too busy to be pointing the camera. I'm, uh, you know, running, shooting, translating what the bad guys are saying, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just that, you know, uh, for me, I mean, I've heard a lot about these amazing events. Unfortunately, my medium is visual. I can't tell the real story unless I have pictures, you know. I'm not suggesting you put anybody in danger, not yourself. But, you know, if the opportunity arises, just, you know, take a second and just point your lens at something, you know, that moves. Right. Uh, well, I'm not really scheduled to go on a, a mission uh, off-world for another couple of days. No, 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 no. no. If it's there, shoot it. Right. Just not the inscriptions all the time. Just some action. Cute cameras. I've never noticed fish before. Well, I've never seen him. He's trying to sneak his way into a mission in there. Not gonna work. I'm surprised um, Michael Shanks didn't start stealing Christopher Judge's shirt, the vest, throw himself off. Well, I told you in the uh, episode we, we haven't actually released yet, mm -hmm. the one we recorded, Chimera. With the very, very lovely Sarah Gardner. Mm -hmm. Daniel's idea that he lie in bed with his hands behind his head so he could show his biceps off. 
That was Michael's suggestion. There are so many flashy lights. and blinky. The only reason he's here is because this president is on his way out and he knows it, right? He just doesn't want to look bad if and when the Stargate program ever goes public. None of this is about truth. It's all about political posturing. Man, he really grilled me on that. What about whether or not the Stargate program should go public? Yeah. What'd you say? It babbled incoherently. I mean, could you imagine if it ever did? I try not to think about it. B3. What all the codes for? Are there like C and A and everything? Is it just B? I mean, bunker. I don't even know. I'm wondering. Never mind. Yeah. Well, Amanda was whispering about whispering, so it seemed appropriate that you did some whispering. Uh -huh. Anything jump out at you? Well, here's where I encountered SG-13. Uh-oh. What? What a uh-oh. Well, after it engaged shields and weapons, it activated a long-range communicator. Uh-oh. Colonel Dixon, this is General Hammond. We have reason to believe the ghoul probe sent out a subspace transmission prior to your disabling of it. I'm ordering you to return to Stargate Command immediately. Roger that, sir. Estimate arrival time, 15 minutes. Dixon out. Pack it up, Doctor. Going home. You can just translate that on the fly. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Well, Someone's going to be in trouble. That's not good. Bring it home, boys. We're booking out. Roger that. Well's out. It's about time. Oh, dear. It's always the expecting father that gets hurt. Taking fire! Get to the gate. SG-9er requesting assistance. Now, why is he saying SG-9er? No idea. Okay, uh, three gunshot wounds, four staff weapon burns, severe hypothermia. And I'm quite surprised he's actually authorized me to discuss all this. It's just... And there's Dan Shea in hospital again, which, again, if, you, if you've been listening to our episodes, although the commentary said that's Dan, that's Siler recovering from being in the lab with the evil Dr. Wells. <laughs> this is just, you know, random actors having an excuse to get the shirt off. Dan, I'm sorry, doesn't look as well as Michael does with the shirt off. Oh, yeah, this was a good one. Last year, he was exposed to an ancient, incurable disease. Obviously not incurable, right? Or... Well, fortunately, there was a Tokra symbiote in need of a temporary host at the time. It managed to do the trick. Why is not covering more scars, Siler? Yeah. It sounds amazing that Colonel O'Neill is alive. Yeah, you know, I never know what's next. Just what's next is something you are not going to like, dearie. That is an actual nurse. Yeah. She extra sometimes, but she is an actual nurse and was the attending when uh, Andy McKeach's wife went into hospital to have the baby. Yeah. The blonde. Really, it amounts to very little. I mean, often I'm faced with situations that there's really nothing I can do. Is there an upside? Are you kidding me? I think the reason we all manage to persevere is because we feel that we're on the brink of understanding so much more. And not just about medicine, but about who we are. You know, where we came from, what the future has in store, how, how we fit into the grand scheme of things. Unscheduled off-world activation. Repeat, unscheduled off-world activation. That Unscheduled off. We've heard that before. Is that an unusual thing? No, it happens from time to time. And what, what does it mean? Your guess is as good as mine. Do you think they've actually just recorded that and they just play, or do they actually have to say it, as in on base? Ask Mike when we're doing part two in a bit, ten minutes. Why don't you uh, go uh, roll some cutaways and get some sound bites over there? Yeah, we're good. You tried flirting with Amanda. He's now going to flirt very awkwardly with Terrell. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was deliberate. Andy instructed your man to hit him with the sound boom and not tell him that it was going to happen. <laughs> to get a reaction. Oh. Directors are evil. Um, listen, I was just wondering, so it seems like the uh, the unpredictable happens out here a lot. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And, and you're not going to be needed for this thing? Well, if I am, they know where to find me. I was just asking because I was thinking of getting something to eat in the cafeteria, which I'm not even sure where. It's uh, And that I way. was just wondering... If I'd like to join you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Should we just hand here and film some random stuff? Yeah. Yeah, we might as well. Oh, 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 this looks interesting. Yes. Bye. Okay. okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, Wells is alive, but he's hurt badly and he can't be How many Jaffa? I don't know. Five, ten, hundred, what? Uh, Colonel Dixon counted six. They were able to fend them off. They're holding the position, protecting Wells. Did the Jaffa come through the gate? No, no, they had to come by ship. SG-3 was covering the, the gate. The gate's clear? Half of SG-3 was still there when I left. Take General. SG-5 and 7 and Dr. Frazier. Thank you, sir. Colonel? Yes, sir. I know, it sounds like an ambush to me, too, but there's nothing else we can do, right? Right. Go. Sorry. I was just I was just thinking that you have a very natural quality. I mean, on camera, you let me film what you allow people to see uh, grace under pressure. Hmm. You could always say cakes on that. It seems to me that every alien in this series I somehow relate to some form of baked good. Some strap cake. Pollen are actually stolen, according to me, because I can't usually remember the proper name. I'm just weird. Gazing adoringly into your eyes, won't you, Sal? Well, that's because she's an actress playing the doctor. That's why she has such a natural quality on camera. It's sen sentimental. My wife died a few years ago. So how do any of you have a personal life? We don't really. I spend most of my time outside work with my daughter. Oh, so you're you're married? No, no, she's adopted. Oh. Mm-hmm. She's from another planet. No. Whoops. Never. Yes, and you haven't actually touched your food. Okay. Something we've noted that uh, Jonas always, for certainly for the first nine or ten episodes he was in, had food in his hand. <laughs> yeah, very much reminds me of my brother then. Is your brother more or less spherical? <laughs> nope, but by God, he's thick. Runs up and down the stairs and everything. Supposed to walking slowly. No, I'm kidding. He's Santa, so he's very fit. Right. As a result. Oh dear, oh dear. Thank you. Uh... Rescued. I wonder if Sam's course has passed on to Sol. That could be it. Mm -hmm. Took me too long to figure out the probe sent to transmission. None of that matters now. Putting that bandana on. Yes. Silly bandana. Abruptly, TBC. Oh, dear. And that was Heroes Part 1. Thoughts overall on the episode? I think it's quite good. It's um, quite tame by normal FG1 standards, but obviously it's the setup for the next bit. So uh, I thought it was quite interesting. Kept your interest enough to make you want to watch the next one. I thought there was an, a lot of classic Jack moments. Yes. I think it showed the actual characters themselves all had their own way of dealing with situations sort of thing in their own environment. And them also sagging each other off, especially mm -hmm. uh, Amanda's line about Teok being hard to shut up. Yes. <laughs> My God, that came out when I was 12. That's worrying me now. Oh, dear. came out when you were 12. It came out when I was, what, 31? Mm-hmm. I like making people feel old, it seems. And that was Harris Part 1. Interesting point being, as you might have noticed is on this part, is due to time constraints imposed upon our guest, we didn't have a mic in this episode. Mm -hmm. Where's the looking glass here, people? My fault. Yes, in this case, I think you're Alice and I'm the White Rabbit. <laughs> I did say that in a tweet today. Someone said, I had a rabbit that died. Now it's just some bunny that I used to know. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I typed that at you. Yeah, I said that's not bunny. I mean funny. 
No, I said it were funny, and you replied with it were bunny. Oh, that was it. I knew I said something about bunny. That was Heroes Part 1 with Alan and Helen. Part 2 is next week, when yours truly will be joining the dynamic duo for a memorable and above-board Stargate threesome. Huge thanks go out once again to all our followers on Twitter, who have been spreading the word for the new website, which is at gatecast.co.uk, and the RSS feed, which is gatecast.co.uk forward slash feed forward slash podcast, which is still the best way to get our shows via a podcatcher. iTunes store listing will be addressed when Alan returns from vacation. If you do want to get in touch with us, then you can use the contact form on the Gatecast website or email us directly via gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter, at The Gatecast, which is one word, and on Facebook and Google+, so search for The Gatecast. Links, of course, are on our website. We appreciate the feedback on the various portals, and thanks to Brad, Miles, Helen, Thomas, Chris, Jeff, John, David and Andreas for contributing to our Stargate family. And let's not forget the likes, retweets and plus ones from many others. Special mention this week goes to Dan, who emailed us in this voice recording for both parts of Heroes. The first message as follows. Hello, Alan, Mike, Gatecast crew, fans of Stargate, and Gatecast listeners around the world. I am very pleased to share with you my comments on these most memorable and probably most emotional Stargate episodes to date. Although I don't think the military would allow such a camera crew into the SGC to begin with, It was fun having them in there to see some of the things that SGC personnel go through on a daily basis. Saul Rubinek's character, Bregman, wasn't very likable, nor was he supposed to be, I guess. It was great to have Adam Baldwin essentially being Jane in an SGC uniform. Gwauld probe droid was kind of a nod to the Empire Strikes Back. There were some mistakes made by General Hammond, one being is his letting SG-13 remain after encountering the probe and this thing you know shooting at them and trying to kill them i can't imagine normally you know letting them stay after that but anyway altogether part one i thought was a it was a well thought out episode and a very necessary one to lead us into heroes part two you know where all hell is pretty much about to break loose that's kind of my thoughts on part one i like the episode and uh like i say we you know it leads us into uh, some startling things in in episode two, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the second part. But anyway, guys, uh, that's just kind of what I have to say about part one, and uh, I'll leave you with that. Thank you. Thanks for that, Dan. You more than met the challenge, and I doubt anyone would disagree that Heroes is excellent Stargate. And the first half, while it contains plenty of good stuff, is doing a lot of the prep work for the second part, where they turn the screw on the fans. Play the second half of Dan's voicemail next week, and if you'd like to send us some audio, then we can handle any format, and I think it does add personality to an opinion, something which is occasionally missing when Alan or myself read feedback out. That's the show for this week, folks. Tune in next week for the dramatic conclusion of Heroes, and bring the tissues. Take care. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. (laughs) 